Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we talk about what you need to know about open adoption. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name is Tim Elder, and this is the podcast dedicated to domestic infant adoption. And if you're a faithful listener of this, or maybe this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you for joining me. And this episode is sponsored by Bethany Christian Services. Bethany is a full-service Christian nonprofit adoption agency with locations in 36 states. They've been helping families adopt since 1944. And they will help you create an adoption plan that's right for you and your family. And they'll be there to support you every step of the way. The journey doesn't end when your adoption is finalized. Bethany offers post-adoption services for families, adoptive parents, and adoptees. So I invite you to go check out some of their adoption stories and learn how you can get started at bethany.org forward slash infant adoption guide. Okay, everybody, on today's episode, we're going to have a great discussion with Donna Nicholson. She is joining me to talk about what you need to know about open adoption, a really big topic, but a very important topic. And Donna, you know, she's worked with children and families for more than 25 years. She's earned her psychological or her degree in psychological counseling in 1984, and she acquired licensing as a professional clinical counselor in 97. And while working towards her master's degree, she learned of her love for children, so she began her career as a child and family therapist, mainly working with families involved in the state foster care system. So over 11 years ago, she joined the team of Bethany Christian Services as the branch director for the state of Missouri, and that grew to include Illinois in 2007. Then in 2014, she began her role as a regional director of Bethany and overseeing the states of Iowa and Nebraska as well. So obviously her passion is serving expected parents and adoptive families to the best of her ability. She's been in in the adoption world. She does an amazing job of sharing wisdom and her stories about uh, helping families and what families have gone through in open adoption. So I love this. I hope it affects us all. And I hope you come away with a better understanding about open adoption and stick around to the end because we're going to have, uh, I'm going to share with you some special things uh, coming up here on the Infant Adoption Guide blog and podcast. All right, so let's get into the interview with Donna Nicholson. Here you go. Okay, hello and welcome to the show. Donna, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Tim. Yes, I'm very excited to to have you on today because this is a big topic and it's a topic that's very close uh, to us and I think it is for a lot of families either already in the infant adoption world or just looking into an infant adoption because the term open adoption is kind of a scary one and it's, it's a big topic and it's I think vastly misunderstood uh, I know it was at least by my wife and I and we can get into that in a minute I just think it's really important for us to to kind of break this open and really help the folks understand uh, what it is so I'm thankful to have you on the show today I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's a, it's, it is a really important topic, and I think as people explore adoption, it's probably the biggest thing that's a fear to families just starting the process. Yeah, it's, a, it's extremely scary. I know when we first started uh, thinking about adoption and our uh, adoption professionals talked to us about open adoption, how we should be open, we're like, what is this? What, <laughs> what kind of relationship are we supposed to have here? And 
I don't think we really talked about co-parenting. That was pretty quickly, idea was pretty quickly squashed. But the after that was like, okay, how are we supposed to develop this relationship? How are, What is it supposed to look like? And you just don't know until you really experience it. But uh, hopefully we can share some stories and talk about what it really means today so the folks can uh, begin to understand it. So let's try to define what open adoption is and really what openness in adoption is. Okay. Well, openness in adoption or, or an open adoption means that there's been some type of information exchange. So there's a big spectrum of what that looks like. It could be just an email address that you're exchanging pictures and letters through an email, all the way to having direct contact and having information shared about addresses. Uh, we have families that actually have the birth family at their house. So it's a big, it's a long spectrum. Uh, and what we always say is it's based on relationship building. So you want to open that gate slowly. You want to grow that relationship and it happens over time it doesn't start there but your hope is that over time you grow this real sweet relationship yeah I think that's a key distinction there is uh, open adoption is is more of having the relationship and openness is various levels of just contact uh, to simplify it as much right. as possible you yeah. uh, know I know for us anyway um, open adoption it, it starts out in one thing and ends up in another, you know, as, as, as long as we go on here and our kids are still both under the age of 10. So I know it's going to probably evolve even further as they get older, but um, it, it open adoption means a lot to us. And the fact that the relationships are, are more, they're even more important to us. I think now that our kids are getting a little bit older and can understand more. Um, mm -hmm. But at, early on, I think they were very important to our kids as birth parents because they just wanted to, be assured that we're the parents who we we said we were going to be and you know we're going to actually love their their babies so it's it's a big thing and it's interesting because i think when uh, families enter the adoption arena the fear is is that the birth family will change their mind and it's not that at all when they're able to have contact whether that be pictures and letters they just get affirmed that their decision was right and their biggest the birth parents biggest fear is is my child okay? Did I make that right decision, as you said, Tim? Is this family who I thought they were when I entrusted them with this child? And so that's really what it's about. They just want to make sure that they made the right decision and their baby is being loved. Yeah, absolutely. And in your experience and all the, the things you've done with, with families and expectant moms and birth moms over the years, uh, what, what do what do expectant moms say when you start talking to them about open adoption, you know, what it looks like, what it could mean to them? What do they say about it? I think the interesting thing is both adoptive families and expectant parents come in at the same place where they're like, they don't understand how openness could even be okay. And, you know, working with expectant parents, they're like, I don't think I want that until you start talking to them about the importance, especially from the view of the child. And when that child has questions, if there's some relationship, then that birth parent can be there to answer some of those questions. And that's affirming for the child as well. But from that first start, that first call, typically what we get is an expectant parent saying, I don't think I want any openness. 
and, and then it evolves over time. And once the baby comes, then it's kind of revisiting that decision of do I want openness or not, and, and, and they can see it. it. The interesting thing about adoption is both, most expected parents walk through this process once, and so they don't have any experience on what it should look like, what it should feel like, and it doesn't feel normal. And so making those decisions and, and trying to anticipate in your mind what it would be like expected parents don't want to be intrusive to the adoptive family. So they don't, you know, they don't feel entitled and they, they don't want to, to, to rock the boat, so to speak. And so they take more of a backseat role to it. Um, and so in talking and in educating and, and really kind of looking at it from the child's perspective, you know, we'll talk to the, the expectant parents, but it's truly, we still let them be the guide. And if they really wanted something more closed, that's fine. I can share examples of, of birth parents that wanted extremely closed and have developed wonderful relationships or those that started out open and then end up closed um, for, whatever per, for whatever reason that life made changes, things happened, they might have gotten married. And, and so as the relationship went on, it might have gotten less and less. And what I hear from adaptive families then is I wish we had more openness. I really wish we did. And, and it's hard then to re, um, you know, reestablish that relationship over time. So, Why do you think it is that families end up wanting more of a relationship and have more open adoption? Maybe we talk about the benefits of it for the adoption triad and maybe that could shed some light on why people want more. Right. Well, I when when ba- when you're when you bring the child into your home, they're typically an infant, and so there's not. It's more about, as you said, Tim. It's more about the birth parent receiving that information and you learning more about your child's story, and not so much about the child at that point in time. But as the child gets older and the child starts asking questions, what I see from adoptive parents, if they don't have that connection with the birth family, is they don't know how to answer those questions, and the desire is for the child sake is, you know, you have a you have a, a, a birth side of the family that gave them life and you have the life side of the family that sustains their life and both of them are important aspects of that child's life to make them whole. And so having that um, that birth family there, it really does help. It gives a child answer to the questions that they have. They don't, you know, if we don't know something about our history, we tend to make it up and fantasize about it. And so if you have that information, it really, you don't have that, uh, you don't have that kind of call to make it up. And children are, it's interesting. I think as parents, we are a little more apprehensive of telling our kids some hard stuff, but the kids can handle it and they really do. And it's their story and it's a beautiful story. And so they want to know that. And so those things are important. And honestly, the calls I get are from adoptive families is how do I, how do I navigate this when we don't have openness and I'm not going to know? Um, and, and those are typically the questions that I get more than anything. And, and, and trying to help them foster a relationship. And maybe, maybe for whatever reason, the birth mom chose to, to not continue a relationship. or she and, and typically, she might be shame-based. She might be feeling like, you know, I, I, I don't feel comfortable in this relationship, not because the adoptive family did anything, but maybe she just has her own internal stuff that she's wrestling with. And so she closes that off. off. And, and so it's difficult. It is. Um, but the kids, if they can hear, and I actually had a phone call from an adoptive family, and the birth mother was the one that kind of told that journey. Her son is now old enough, and 
they got together and she told her son the journey of the story before he came into the adoptive family. And she was able to share that firsthand. And they've developed such a trusting relationship that the adoptive family knew that what she was going to say was going to be very affirming. And it helped him know who he is and, and his whole identity. It was just really helpful. Um, so those are, when you look at the child as the center, it is really important to have some type of relationship. I mean, you can, you can create your child's story or explain your child's story, but having that person in, in the process, that birth side of the family is helpful. Um, and, and although it's n- not always, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like if you have extended family that, you know, they, they might not be someone you hang out with all the time and there might be a little bit of awkwardness in that relationship, but you know that you you need to see them and it's really important. Sometimes those relationships, um, they might not be totally smooth, but you know, it's important and we can navigate that for the sake of our kids. So, yeah, that's very true. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, boundaries can be a big deal uh, in dealing with mm-hmm. open adoption uh, when you have the relationships. Uh, and that's what I think a lot of people get scared about is how do you know where to set boundaries, right? You uh, right. are trying to establish a relationship, but if they're not uh, exactly the kind of people that you want to hang out with or they may have a even a negative influence on the child mm-hmm. uh, for, for whatever their lifestyle is like, that could be a problem. It could. And, and when that child is entrusted to you, then you as the parents have to make that decision. And so what I tell parents, especially, you know, how the adoption process typically goes is most of the time the potential, the, the prospective family has met with the expectant parents before the birth of the child. That happens the majority of the time. And so that's when you kind of start the dance of that relationship. And I always say, and we say this repetitively, is don't make promises that you don't feel comfortable with. Because when you're in that situation, you definitely feel a lot of stress and strain. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Oh, my goodness, she won't like me and she's feeling the same way she's feeling like the family won't like her either and so everybody's feeling the same way but you're on both on opposite sides so what we say and what we kind of help our families with is say you know what that's not something that we thought about if she wants to have openness that you may not be comfortable with or you hadn't talked about then say you know what we'll talk about that and we'll let you know we hadn't talked about that yet but it, doing it in a kind of factual kind of way gives you time then to talk as a family. Would this be something we're comfortable with right now? And just being honest, which is sometimes really hard to do. I also tell families, when you're at the hospital, when things are happening at the hospital and it's an, an emotionally charged, I, I, that's not even a good enough word for it, but <laughs> your true. emotions are so big in the hospital and everything is just over-the-top anxiety, that is not the time to make any any decisions about openness at all. And so we really talk to both sides to let them know, please do not make any decisions at the hospital. And, and I don't, if it's okay, I'm going to share a, a, a small example to that. Uh, we had a, um, a mom, a birth mom, that while she was cons- like at the point of releasing the baby to the family, which is just that most ultimate intense moment, she had asked the family if they could do monthly phone calls. This had not been something that had been talked about. We were not at the hospital at that moment because we can't be up there 24-7, and sometimes the families are up there without us. And so at that point, the family said, yes, we can do that. But they hadn't let us in the loop, which is okay. It's okay. Except when the phone call started, we didn't know until about three or four months in. 
And the birth mom was having a lot of emotion while the phone calls were occurring. She was really struggling with it. And if I could have a redo on that, number one, I would have asked the family not to make any promises at the hospital. But number two, have us as part of that process because we can help navigate the mom through her grief, the birth mom through her grief, and the family didn't know what to do with it. And so it's really hard. And so what do you do when a birth mom is grieving because you feel like you're responsible and you're really not? She wants you to parent from a place of blessing, but you're hearing her pain. And we as human beings don't know really what to do. And so again, had I, had I, had we been aware of that, that those phone calls were happening, we could have helped um, and not mediate, but just help with it. I could have talked with the, the birth mom and just really kind of shared, here are things that I recommend on the phone calls. But when the family, the family couldn't manage it and they decided to stop the phone calls, which really, it, it, it put a strain in their relationship. And they still have openness, but I think because there was expectations that weren't met on both sides and they hadn't been discussed because we didn't know and they didn't know what to discuss, it really kind of, it it affected that relationship long-term. So we want to be part of that and rely on on people to help, professionals to help navigate that because that's what we're here for. Yeah, I think that's an important point. You know, with a lot of independent adoptions going on these days, I think it's it's very important to have somebody involved that can help you navigate that. And uh, obviously you do that in, with your agency in Bethany, which is a great thing. And it's, it's very important, I think, for the expectant moms and then when they are birth moms to get that support. I mean, they're in some major, major grief periods and mm-hmm. they need help. And it's not, it shouldn't come from the adoptive family I mean they they are uh, not in a position to provide the best counseling for uh, a birth mom and so even though they may think they can well and I think the hard piece about it is before the baby comes the the expectant family and the adoptive family are building this relationship but there's not that the grief components not as present and I think that transfer of what happens is once that baby comes that birth mom especially with the adoptive mom feels a relationship there and just as a friend relies on her but again yes having a professional help navigate that because there is intense grief and you know, I, I always try to tell both parties that, um, you know, it's as the adoptive mom, she cannot in any way, shape or form own the grief of the birth mom, which is so hard to do as a human being, but she cannot because that birth mom wants her to parent from a place of blessing, that place of joy. And if she's thinking about the entire grief that the birth mom is going through, it's really difficult to do that. And so that's the biggest, I think, hurdle for the adoptive mom to get through is that it's really okay for her to be fully invested and fully um, immersed in the blessing and, and joy of having this child in her home. And it's not thinking any less of the birth mom and her grief, but yes, she cannot navigate that. It's, it's difficult and the grief is really hard. It's deep. And so for the professional to be there to do that, I mean, my goal and our goal is as, you know, an agency, I 
we want to do whatever we can to make sure that the relationship is, is good and it's positive. And so whatever buffer we can provide during that, that's what our role, that's what we see our role being. Because in the end, it's going to help the child have a better relationship too. So I see us as a buffer, not to hide anything, but just to help because this is hard, this is hard to navigate. And, and it, the emotional level is just so over the top. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, after going through two of them, our, uh, my wife and I, we, we can certainly attest to that. The emotional side of it is huge. Let's just kind of take a step back here and uh, think sure. about this from somebody, maybe somebody's listening to this and they're just starting to think about adoption and, and trying to wrap their brain around open adoption and openness. And they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I even know what level of openness to have or like what type of contact how open should I be how open should I present myself to an expectant mom even before they meet you know what should I be open to how do I figure that out in other words well and I I would say first off you have to educate on openness and really read and learn about people who've walked the journey before you before you'll know what you're comfortable with. What we really look for, families we know will enter at a spot of, I'm not really sure about this. This is really scary. I'm not sure I can navigate this. To meeting birth moms, to reading books, to really understanding and then going, okay, I get the importance of this. And so it's, you know, I think that's the key is before you even get your home study done, make sure that you are starting your library of books that and and of people who have written about this and and what is healthy and open adoption and how can we do that for the, in the best interest of our child in the best way possible. Um, there are times that openness doesn't work, but I have to tell you the majority of the time, Tim, it works well. It may not be perfect because relationships never are, but it's it still can be beautiful. And so just navigating that, but no, but understanding and accepting. I'm at po- I'm at point A right now. And right now, I don't even know if I could exchange a phone number. That's okay. Then don't. It's really okay. I mean, our preference would be that you enter, you get your information, and you slowly grow that relationship over time as opposed to coming in and giving all the information and then saying, oh, I shouldn't have done that, and and then trying to back out of it. Um, the backing out is what causes the strain on relationship. And we've never had a situation that I'm aware of where it grew over time that that's, that it was kind of the reverse strain, but it grows into this beautiful thing just like any relationship does. And that's all we're looking for. You know, when you go in and you meet a potential expectant parent that might be the the birth parent of your child, could you imagine yourself in a relationship with them? Now, relationship meaning many different things, but is this someone that you could see yourself having some in some respect in your, in your family in some degree? And that's kind of how you have to look at it. And that's hard. It's hard, but but that's if you come in with that perspective, and if you gain a common ground with with the birth parent, you know it, it actually becomes quite easy. And I hear families say, I, I can't imagine them not being part of our family, or not having openness, or not sharing these milestones. You know, and and how do I how do I get to do this? But they don't get to know these things, and so there's just this beautiful sharing that happens over time. And, and the ones that really melt me the most are the ones where there wasn't openness or you have a very reluctant birth parent who allows a relationship to grow because of the embracing love that the adoptive family gave. 
And that's cool. When you see that work, even to moms from really hard places, we had a a mom who had a a very bad heroin addiction. And, you know, the family that um, was chosen for her child embraced her as well. And I've asked them because a lot of families couldn't have done that, knowing her lifestyle, knowing the difficulty that heroin had caused for the child, but also that this is something that the the birth mom is still dealing with. I said, what causes you to embrace her too? And they said, because we have opened the door for her and because of that, she has made changes in her life and has really you know, progressed, that's what's beautiful to see the improvements that she has made because we've allowed that door to open. And not everybody can do that, Tim, and we know that. And but it can be done. And again, slowly and honestly and and transparently I think is the best thing possible. You know, just doing it from an honest perspective. If there's something a family's not comfortable with, it's okay to say, I don't know if I can do that right now. But that's okay. It's okay. Birth families understand that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think it's important. I love how you said that slowly and, and just take your time and don't overcommit because, yeah, mm-hmm. you don't want to try to retract something. Uh, you, you commit to four visits a year and then you realize, whoa, this is that's a lot. We got to go across two states four times a year. <laughs> and so you really need to think about, think things through and don't overcommit, especially like you mentioned earlier in a, in a really emotional situations. Uh, definitely don't want to talk about that. And that kind of brings me to these, what we, I guess are called open adoption agreements. And that's mm-hmm. really, they can be either be formal or informal. And, but it's really, it's where you have the ability to come to some agreement uh, with you know between expectant parents and adoptive parents about what kind of openness you're going to have or relationship you're going to have. Can you talk about that, uh, maybe the formal and the informal? Sure. Very few states have a formal agreement that's, um, that the law in states you follow. So most of the openness agreements are just agreements between two parties. And the desire is, there's difficulty in desire. Difficulty is at one point in time, it's hard to know what kind of openness I really want and what's best. And so you're making this openness agreement based on what you think as opposed to based on what really is, you know. So you're, you're making it at a point in time. So I really feel like informal agreements need to be fluid and we need to kind of talk to each other about them. And so having that, you know, discussion with both parties to say the adoptive family and the birth family to say, hey, this is what we agreed upon on point A. Is that still working for us or what else should we do? And that has to be brought up by the adoptive family. So first off, let me say when when adoption agreements are happening, if the baby's not here yet, the adoptive family, the power lies in the, the expectant parent at that time. It's just a, it, that's how it is. So the, the, the expectant parent is really driving the decisions of the relationship at that point, and she's stating her desires or what she's hoping for, what she's wanting the hospital plan to look like. And when she says, I'm ready to release this baby to the adoptive family to entrust this baby for a lifetime, the power shifts to the adoptive family. 
And so although she might have had the lead in some of those relationship in the relationship building where she said, hey, how about you guys come to one of my um, uh, doctor appointments or how about you come? Would you be willing to be at the hospital when I deliver? She's inviting the adoptive family into the process. But on the flip side, when the baby's now entrusted into the adoptive family, the adoptive family is the one that has to open that invitation. And I think the difficulty in that is because of the grief that 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 happens is they don't the adoptive family doesn't want to cause more grief. And so how to navigate that through the grief period so that they're not causing more grief, I think, is challenging at times. So, so anyway, so the adoption agree, the openness agreement generally is made before the baby comes, typically speaking. And so the, the, the expectant parents making those decisions, but to, to live it out, the adoptive family is leading the decision making. And so they have to be the ones to say and, and bring it forward to say, how is this working? Is this working for you? Is this working for us? What else can we do? Um, and so the, the birth mom at that point does not feel entitled to ask for what she would like because she doesn't want to step on any toes and she doesn't want the family to feel like she's invading their, their decision-making or their space and wants to give them time as well. So does that make sense, Tim, on how that transfers? Yes, very much, very much. Uh, what, what do you recommend or what do you tell your um, hopeful adoptive families as far as agreements? Do you, do you want them to sit down and absolutely come to an agreement before the baby is born, if there's time, of course? You know, I, I guess it's situational. In my heart, what I would say is no. Um, the reason I would say I, would, I wouldn't recommend an agreement is because it's not, an, it's not relational. An agreement is a manufactured thing that actually takes away from relationship. Mm. That means you're going to have to keep that promise as opposed to, I care about you, so I'm going to do things to build this relationship. And so although it's good to know expectations on what's going to be expected, it, it's, there's so many places that it could break down that I don't know if, unless, it's, unless that relationship would, say, would deem to say this would be good for structure, Maybe there's something in the situation with the birth family that it would be helpful, um, you know, to set, to set some guidelines. And I probably wouldn't set it um, forever. I would set it probably just for that first year then to be reevaluated. If that, you know, so that's pro if, if a family, if both families can work it out without a written agreement, I would say do it that way because that's that really develops relationship and trust. If not, then write it down. But the family, the adoptive family has got to maintain it if they've, if this is in writing. And then again, it takes away, you, you, as if, you know, as a person, if it's written down, oh, I have to do this, as opposed to, I really want to do this because I care about that person. And, and so the more you can look at it from the side of, I want to build a relationship because this person's special in my life, as opposed to, I want to keep my, my non, non, uh, binding contractual agreement, you know, I, I, there's just a difference with it. Um, and I'm curious if, did you have the, those agreements written? We did not. No, we did not. And I agree okay. with you totally that, uh, you, you can talk about them and you should, but you need to let it flow. I mean, that's the only better way to say it is you need to let it flow because it will change. 
uh, between yeah. you and them, or the expectant mom and the and the and the birth mom, they will change over time just based on how life evolves. And uh, so I definitely I don't like the written agreements either. However, I have heard the argument for them, and it kind of makes sense in a way because there are times when a birth mom would have a certain agreement. Okay, we agreed on this. Um, nothing was written down, and then the adoptive parents just shut down. And they never hear mm-hmm. from them again. And that just breaks their heart. And they're like, we, we talked about this and now you're gone and I can't do anything about it. Right. Those are very, very hard situations uh, to, to navigate for sure. And, and so again, if, if there, if it's not a private adoption, if there's not, you know, if there are parties involved, professionals involved, really leverage that because that is what we're here for. And the, it, the more that we can help, support or give input to that. And we're not here in no way, shape or form will we here because we want to control anything, but you know, we are here for the sake of that child. And, and so that, and for the sake of relationship. And so however we can nurture that or however we can bridge that, we want to try to do that. And, and you're right. When things go sour or the openness changes over time, I think the side of it that I see more often is, and not more often, but if I see a situation where the adoptive family had committed to something and doesn't hold their agreement or there's, you know, something changes, what I see in the birth parent is the grief that she's dealing with. It's, it, it, it sends her on a trajectory in her life if that openness changes. And it takes sometimes years for her to work through some of that. And I think that's, from my perspective of, you know, I always try to tell families when we go through adoption, keep in mind what it's going to, what you want it to look like for your child when your child is 18, because at some point in time, that child won't be under your roof. And if, you know, what, what, it's hard to look at 18 when you have this infant in your home, but that's the start of this journey. And so what would you want it to look like when that child is leaving your home and they have the ability to make contact with birth family whenever they desire to do so when they're an adult? And so how can we as parents build that bridge for our kids? Because it would be so helpful if we can. And I've seen, uh, um, you know, teenagers come in and get information that has been here for them um, for the years. And I worry, you know, when they get it at 18, 19, 20, and, and it's kind of their life story poured out in their laps and there's nobody to help navigate them with it at that point, that's, that can take that child to a place that they, that's harmful too. Um, and so, you know, it's the, the openness then isn't such a shock um, because it's just been the normal thing over time. Um, so I don't know. There's, it's a con- Adoption is complicated. It's beautiful <laughs> and it's complicated. I agree. Um, yes. And open it, adoption it, is very complicated, yes. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but the key, but I think, is that, that you're right. The adoptive parents need to focus. I love how you said that. They need to focus on with the end in mind. What do you want your child, how do you want their relationship to be when they turn 18? Because they may decide to have a relationship or not. And you don't mm-hmm. want to go back, and at least I don't want to have any regrets as far as being able to make that connection and keep the connection between them and their birth parents. So I, I think that's huge. Right. 
Right. And it's, it is hard when the bait, when you're looking at a baby to think in that, but you know, in any situation, we should always think of our children as where do we want them to be 18 years from now? And and it would change how we parent from the beginning, I think. So, um, well, let me, uh, before we get too close to the end here, I want to make sure we cover. uh, So uh, we kind of talked about this already, that if a family is uh, deciding on adoption and they're considering how open we want to be, and you may not really know that, like you said, and that's okay. How would you put that on a profile? So you're creating your parent profile either in a video or on paper or online. How do you put it out there that, yes, I'm, I'm open, but mm-hmm. I don't know how open I am going to be? I would say just say that. I truly, what, what expectant parents look for is, is your genuineness. In your profile, and by the way, I'm going to make a plug on videos. They really do love videos because it makes you three-dimensional. Your profile book is not three-dimensional. They get to look at pictures. They get to kind of infer things from what you've written and, and looking at your pictures. But a video, you get to see things. You get to imagine, the expectant parent gets to imagine what that child would be like in that spot. And, and if they did a tour of the home or whatever, that, you know, you can imagine what that child might be experiencing experiencing there. So it makes it three-dimensional. So I do encourage families to do that. But in, in all respects, it's just to be honest. You know, if you, and I know it's so scary, but say, you know what, we know we want some type of relationship. We have no idea what it's going to look like. That's totally okay to say that. You know, we want to grow this relationship over time. That's totally okay to say that. You know, but, but again, to make promises that they're not sure about, you know, you want to base this on relationship. You want to do what's, you know, in the best interest of obviously your child, and you, but you don't know. You have no idea till you get there. And so you don't want to say things that you wouldn't be able to, to keep. Um, but yeah, I would just base it. I would just say, you know, we want some type, if, if you're open to something, say that. We would love some type of openness. We have no idea what we think it's going to look like, but we look forward to meeting you. And that in itself is, is an invitation to an expectant parent to be part of, of your life. <clears throat> when you do the match meeting, the first piece of it is doing the profile book, and then they get to choose from the profile books. And I, we always get asked, well, what should we put in it? What's most important? And in all honesty, the most important thing is make your profile book match you in person. Because if you make yourselves be totally extroverted in your profile book and you do a match meeting and you're totally introverts in person, that's not going to go very well. So just be yourself in your book. Because expectant parents are looking for a variety of things. And I, I am a hundred percent wrong on who I think (laughs) an expectant parent will choose. So if I have a family that says, put in a good word, I'm like, you do not want me to put in a good word for you. So, because we never know, it might be because of, it might be the pictures. It might be because they traveled. It might be because they have dogs, don't have dogs. He's a firefighter. She, who knows? There's, there's something in, in the pictures, there's some connection that happens. And then when you meet face-to-face, it's just that, did we click? Do we have some common ground? And that's it. And that's the start of that relationship. And so, you know, we're there again to navigate that because it's, it is very stressful. And if you've experienced the match meeting yourself, you understand it's kind of the most stressful moment. It's worse than going on a job interview. Um, <laughs> but we're there to help navigate that piece, to help build that bridge of relationship. 
Um, nowadays, the expectant parents are meeting more than one family, and that adds stress, obviously, to waiting families if they know that they're not going to be the only family that's meeting. It's, it's a lot of stress, but we're there to help navigate that. And, and the only thing you're looking for is to be genuine, even though you're nervous, and just share yourself. And that's the best you can do. If you come in and you try to be something that you're not, and then that changes over time, honestly, the birth mom's going to think she something happened here. You know, we've had, um, especially mom to mom, I think there's specialness between the birth mom and the, and the adoptive mom for sure. And, you know, before the baby comes, we've had adoptive moms go with birth moms to get pedicures and to do a lot of social things. And obviously when the baby comes, that shifts. <clears throat> but the birth mom... It's like, well, we were friends before. Now we're not even talking or now we can't do anything. And, and so, again, it's just sharing those expectations of what that relationship. Now, understand, I, this is going to change and I'm going to be really sad about that. But just sharing that with her will make, every, will make all the difference in the world. If she knows and you speak it, then it'll be okay. If nobody speaks it and it just happens, she's filling herself with all those what ifs and um, all those fears that, um, you know, she thought, well, gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm all the things that I thought were going to happen, they're happening. And she feeds her fears just as the, the adoptive family did before the baby came to them. They feed themselves all their fears too, before this actually happens. And so as more, the more transparent we can be, the more honest we can be, even if it's tough, the better it'll be. Yeah. And we're in a, a, such an amazing time right now that you really can start slowly and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm open. I don't know what open means. I don't know what open is going to look like, but I'm willing to talk to you about it. I want to talk to you about it. And let's just, mm-hmm. well, let's agree with it or agree on it together and, and just build our relationship because right. this time, I mean, you have, you have FaceTime, you have Facebook, you have Skype, you have texting, you have phone calls. I mean, we can travel the country pretty easily I mean, we are in an amazing time when developing and continuing and building a relationship is even easier than it's probably ever have been. So I think that really helps with open adoption and openness in adoption. And I think it's, it's very so worthwhile for everybody in the adoption triad. And there's studies that, that show that I, I, just looked up one here a little bit ago that, uh, I had did a two decade study on families a couple hundred families and the the connection shared between birth parents and adoptive parents are, is just huge and everybody eventually wants more in in most cases <laughs> is what the study came out with and i think that's just powerful that just says a lot and it, when you walk in the door though families have to understand is you're not feeling that yet and it's okay yes it's totally okay because you're at you're at point A and and know that when you nobody expects you to walk in the door feeling completely understanding of this or comfortable because right. it's it's not something you've been through before. The difficulty too, and Tim, you've been through more than one adoption, is also understanding that your openness in both cases, in, in the more, you know, if you adopt more than one, they're not going to be the same. And so how do you navigate that piece of it? Because there's no way to have two open adoptions that are identical. <laughs> that is very true. In fact, uh, we just uh, went through that as our kids are getting a little bit older and one situation is more open than the other, not by our choice. But you know, one of our children just uh, sees how much more open the other relationship is, and they want that. And mm-hmm. so uh, we've we've tried, and we've actually 
made more contact and things are improving and it just, it makes all the world of difference to them. And not that that changes their past or changes anything about us parenting them, but it, it more defines who they are. They can understand the history. They can understand this is real. I have real birth parents and this is really what happened to me. There's no secrecy going on here. So I, to us, it's just a really huge, um, being able to have that relationship in the, in the open communication. And I get it. You're right. It's, it is totally scary in the beginning. You just don't know what to expect. Uh, hopefully everything we've shared here will help ease some of those fears. And, uh, but I highly encourage people to find others, like you said earlier, find others that have gone through this before you and mm-hmm. learn from them, read their stories, figure out how they did it. And not that you're going to duplicate it, but you may be able to ease your fears by just listening to their stories. Right. And talk about what your expectations are, because I think when we run into struggles, it's because of unspoken expectations and openness or are not our desire of, you know, we just don't speak what our desires are and we might have something in our mind and not know it. So we just have to speak it. And I, I think the, the more transparent we are in that, and it's, we're not used to being like that in some cases, so, but the more we can be transparent, the better it is, even if it's not exactly what someone wants to hear. But they, I think that builds relationship in itself, just acknowledging a difference within that relationship. So. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I, I've, you have shared, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six different resources, uh, books that folks can get and read that you would recommend. And I will put those in the show notes so everybody can uh, easily see them and get your copy and start reading because it's, uh, there, there's some really good, good, powerful resources there. And I'll also put a link into this study that I found, uh, that just talks about the contact between adoptive and birth families over the years. I think that's very, very important to read as well. Anything else you want to close with? I would just encourage families, if they've considered adoption, just take those steps. Don't, first off, it's not going to, you know, the, the, the path is not going to be clear. It's not going to be um, without its own hiccups. Um, but just take that step because you don't know where it's going to take you. But also, I think the last part of it is lower your expectations because what you came in thinking your journey was going to be is not going to be your end journey. But I can tell you if you lower, if you, not lower your expectations, but kind of be aware of them and let the journey happen, it's going to be much more beautiful than you could have ever imagined in your own mind. Um, and, and so just knowing that for everybody who feels they have to have control over everything in their life, adoption has little to no control. <laughs> so, but it's a, it ends up being this journey. Again, you couldn't have imagined it. You couldn't have put it together. And there's moments of it that are so beautiful that are part of your child's story that unless you take that risk, unless you get out of your comfort zone, you may not be able to experience. And so I just encourage people to do that. And, and with support, with reach out for guidance, reach out and, and develop a support system of people who have journeyed before you and and you'll get some good input on how to walk through this and and you can do it well for your child's sake so thanks for having me absolutely thank you so much for all your your wisdom and knowledge that's very very good stuff Uh, everybody's gonna i think get a lot out of this episode so i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your your knowledge and uh the resources that we're gonna provide for people i think will also help immensely So thank you so much. And uh, we will share all your contact information also in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. 
All right. Thank you, Tim. Have a good day. All right. What a great interview with Donna. She did an amazing job of sharing um, stories in her heart. And you can tell it really comes out and how she talks about open adoption and what it means to families. So I hope you got a ton out of that. And there's a lot more you can learn. I'll put all the resources that we talked about and uh, the books that Donna um, recommends, especially in the show notes for this episode at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 45. And I just wanted to end with to let you know that as Donna mentioned in the middle of that interview, we talked about adoption profile videos and how she feels how important they are. And I'm glad she said that because I did, we didn't even talk about that. Actually, she just brought it up and I'm glad she did because, you know, adoption profile videos are huge. They are, like she said, a three dimensional way to share your life and your, your world with an expectant mom or expectant parents. They can see you and hear from you, especially if you're on camera, they can look into your eyes and know your, see your sincerity, your genuineness, your desire to be a parent and see how their baby may fit into your family. It's so much more of a powerful way to connect. And I know from experience, cause we've adopted twice, both times with videos and videos made a huge impact on our children's birth parents. So I highly recommend you go and learn more about adoption profile videos. And you can do that on my website, adoptionprofilevideos.com where you can, uh, I give you a little freebie on how to figure out how to make your own video. And then you can also join the course, Adoption Profile Videos Made Easy. So I hope you go take advantage of that. All right, that's all we have on the show today. Thank you so much for listening. And God bless you on your adoption journey. You will be in my prayers as you go on to build your family through infant adoption. God bless. Thanks for listening to my dad.